Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 32 The Search for Mister Dorothy and the Lion traveled through the colorful green fields. No sign of Mister anywhere. They stopped at the tree where the Tin Woodman was still hanging, swaying in the breeze. <laughs> Dorothy Gale he said at the sight of her. <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever see you again. I figured you were dead when you didn't come back through. He laughed, and then he saw the lion. Hey, what the fuck? You fucking coward. You left me here to die. You have any idea what those fucking dogs did to me? He began rocking himself back and forth in a failed attempt to free himself. Wait a minute. You look, uh, different. What happened to your color? Were you, uh, nah. He looked back at Dorothy. Did you, did you actually... You couldn't have. But did you? She's dead, said Dorothy, still gripping Krista's knife. And you, he asked, again looking at the lion. How did you get out of the greys and back to Dorothy? And how did you get... How did you get into the greys? Doesn't matter, I guess. I'd be willing to bet you were looking for that scarecrow. Dorothy stepped up to him and looked up, meeting his eyes with hers. Have you seen him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw him all right. Where was he going? Did he say anything? Why in this colored world would I tell you that? Dorothy looked at him as she bit her lip. Frustration washed over her entire body, and her blood began to boil as she turned red with anger. You know, Krista had a rather nasty reaction to water. I happen to know you have the same aversion to it. She raised her knife to his body and dragged the tip of it over a rusted spot on his chest. Fuck! he screamed. Ah, fine. I'll tell you. Bitch. Dorothy lowered the knife, still looking him in his hollow eyes. It was the damnedest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> He was being carried through the sky by a giant beakless crow. 
that is... <laughs> that is until a couple of flying monkeys showed up. They flew in and grabbed him away from the bird. Tore him apart limb from stitched up limb. Didn't mean to hurt him, I'm sure. More mischievous than anything. Most of him landed right about. Well... You can go ahead and fuck off. Where did he land? Dorothy said, scratching the rust again, this time hard enough to make a loud, screeching noise. Ow! Stop that! He screamed. You let me down, and help me get fixed up first. Then... And only then will I tell you where your friend is. How do I know you won't just kill me if I save you? (laughs) Well, Dorothy Gale, you don't, because I could. But look, I'm not angry at you anymore. In fact, I'm happy to help you with... Whatever it is you might need. Oh, really? That's a pretty uh, sudden change of heart, isn't it? I know it's hard to believe, Dorothy Gale. But trust me, being abandoned, he looked at the lion and then back at Dorothy. Dismantled, strung up, and left to... Rust is a rather humbling experience. I'm a changed man. Woodman's honor. I'd raise my right arm if it were still attached. (laughs) He smiled playfully. Dorothy did not have much choice. The land was vast, and the tin woodman was her best bet at finding Mr.'s remains. Fine, but if you try anything, so help me God if you try anything. She raised the knife again. I've learned my lesson, Dorothy Gale. I know better than to mess with a witch killer. Dorothy cut the tin woodman down, and with the help of the lion, dragged his body into Il Dyed, where they found a winky tinsmith. After a day of foraging, buffing, and repairing, he was back to almost good as new. Dorothy made sure the deaf and dumb tinsmith understood he was to leave a patch of rust on the left side of the woodman's chest. Dorothy's reputation for dealing with certain people had traveled throughout the city, and the winky was not hesitant to follow the order, much to the tin woodman's chagrin. The sun had set on the city, and though the woodman was ready to go, Dorothy insisted on staying indoors until sunrise. The new, unlikely trio spent the night at a small inn in the city. The next day they set back out, following the lead of the tin woodman, as they went in search of Mr.'s remains. The woodman led them back to the tree from where he once hung. 
Upon arrival, they found five large wolves and one large man-wolf. The wolves were sniffing around at the base of the tree as though they were looking for something. Looking for the tin woodman, no doubt. They were fairly standard beasts, though they put the wolves outside of Oz to shame and size. The man-wolf was nearly seven feet tall, and that was hunched over. He was actually what you would expect such a creature to look like. He walked on two hair-covered legs. His head was more human than anything, though he had very distinct wolf ears. He was clearly the leader of the pack. They paced around the tree, snarling and occasionally snapping and growling amongst themselves if they got too close to one another. Covered in white and gray fur, with touches of black here and there, the man-wolf stood under the tree and stared up into the branches. What the fuck? asked Dorothy in disbelief. They were still a reasonable distance away, but she kept her voice down just the same. I couldn't take them all, replied the tin woodman as he gripped his axe and raised it. Why would they come back? asked Dorothy. I don't know. Well, what should we do? Kill them. Kill them all. Just then, one of the wolf's ears twitched, followed by his nose. He sniffed the air and looked around. Upon seeing Dorothy and her companions, he howled, alerting the pack and its leader to their presence. The others took notice immediately and began snarling and growling, almost foaming at the mouths. The leader dropped to all fours, and the hair on his back stood up on end, creating a razor line sticking up along his spine. The lion let out a roar as he charged the man-wolf at the front of the pack. He raised himself to his back feet. With his claws extended from his massive paws, he began to box and flail wildly. Before he could land a hit on the pack leader, he was overtaken by three of the regular wolves. He knocked one down to the ground, and with another loud roar, he ripped into his body like it was nothing more than wet paper mache. The other two jumped on him, nipping at him and clawing at him, with such a feral animosity Dorothy never thought possible. She watched as the lion held his own, knocking the second away with ease and annihilating the third with finesse. The second came back for more, but quickly found this to be a mistake. The lion opened his giant mouth, just in time to catch the wolf's head in it. He clenched down and bit it clean off with a cringeworthy crunch. A fourth wolf charged with such force and speed that he was able to knock the tin woodman to the ground before he could even swing his axe. Dorothy gripped Krista's knife and against her better judgment impulsively jumped onto its back. She held on for dear life as it bucked and kicked and tried violently to shake her off without letting go of its prey. Dorothy somehow managed to steady herself holding on with one hand while taking the blade and raising it into the air with the other. Screaming, 
she thrust it downward, through the back of the wolf's throat. She forced it down so hard it came out the other side, causing it to press firmly against the woodman's face, etching a fine line about one inch long just under his right eye. It let out a loud, wheezy howl of pain as blood spurted from its mouth and dripped from its throat before finally collapsing. The tin woodman rolled the wolf and its killer off and stood to his feet. The wolf's dying howl got the attention of the last one and the man-wolf, who then shifted their focus from the lion to Dorothy and her unlikely fighting partner. They both charged, but only made it to her. The last wolf was pounced heavily from behind and mutilated with ease by the lion's large claws. Dorothy found herself knocked to the ground by the man-wolf, dropping the knife in the process. She screamed out for help as he growled and snarled at her, his head transforming into that of a full-fledged animal, its powerful teeth making loud snapping sounds as they opened and closed with the unfathomable speed of a machine gun. At one point, she actually felt the front of its teeth grazing her nose. She was saved with one swift swipe of the tin woodman's axe, slicing the head of the feral beast clean off. Dorothy threw its convulsing body off as it sprayed and spurted blood all over her face. She stood up, gasping for air as she looked around. Everyone was still alive and well. That was a good thing. She collected herself and after a few minutes they found themselves at the base of the tree. "'He's up there,' said the tin woodman, looking up into the branches of the tree. "'What?' He just looked at her and pointed up for her eyes to follow. Dorothy looked up and saw the mostly intact body of Mr. tangled in the branches. He was missing his head, but other than that, his body appeared to be in one piece. Dorothy just looked at her metal friend. He was here all along? she asked. She was clearly pissed. You failed to look up, said the tin woodman with a sly grin. His head is over there behind that rock. He motioned with his head for her to check. The lion took it upon himself to check for her. He disappeared behind the rock and returned with Mr.'s head in his mouth. He gently laid it at Dorothy's feet and looked up at her, like a cat who brings a dead bird into the house to please its owner. I thought you said the monkeys ripped him limb from limb. I must have misspoke. Well, how about you make yourself useful for a change and cut this tree down so we can get him out of there and put him back together? Why, of course, my dearest Dorothy Gale, he said, raising his axe and turning to the tree. The tin woodman chopped the tree down with a few easy whacks and a smile on his face. Dorothy cringed at the sound of each hit of the axe and the woodman's smile grew bigger every time. 
the tree came crashing down, and together they all pulled Mr.'s body out of the tangled branches. Dorothy took his head in her hands, amazingly still wearing his Panama hat, and stitched it back onto his body. After a few minutes, his eyes began to reappear. He stood up slowly and stumbled around like a drunkard, and speaking senseless ramblings. You, bird, I will, you, get back, wizards, safe, porcelain, or harmless, fight, what, what, what the, where am I, where's my supper, what is going on here, Dorothy, Dorothy, you came back, his eyes were once again bright white, and his body filled with life. He ran to Dorothy and gave her a big hug. I knew you wouldn't stay gone forever. He let go of her and looked around. Dorothy, the lion, he's right behind you, and the tin woodman. It's okay, she said reassuringly. They're with us now. He quickly grabbed Dorothy by the arm and pulled her to the other side of the rock. Are you insane? Do you not remember what happened last time? The lion... I know, Dorothy interrupted, but I'm confident that they've both changed. The lion has anyway. It's probably still best not to piss off the woodman, though. But he did help us save you, so there's that. Mister did not like the sound of this but true to form, reluctantly agreed to the arrangement. Fine. But if he kills us, well, then I guess my point will be moot. Just know, I will be thinking the words, I told you so, in whatever afterlife there may be. Dorothy smiled and placed a hand on his shoulder. It will be all right, mister. The lion will at the very least do his best to keep us safe. He owes me. And with no more words on the matter, the four travelers began their journey back to the green city of Emerald.